Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Representative Carol Spackman Moss, Democrat from Holiday, is sponsoring House Bill 221, which would preserve uh, parents' rights to exempt their children from immunizations, but would require those parents to watch an educational video to receive the exemption. She says the 15 to 20 minute video is meant to teach parents what to do in the case of an outbreak and standardize education across local health departments. And according to Moss, uh, officials in uh, some areas are telling us that we're losing herd immunity, which is a form of indirect protection from infectious disease that occurs when a large percentage of the population has become immune to that infection. Um, Gail Ruzica from the Utah Eagle Forum is opposing House Bill 221 on parental rights grounds. We're going to be talking with Representative Moss and Gail Ruzica. We'll also be talking with nurse practitioners Lacey Eden and Beth Luthi. We begin with my conversation with Representative Moss. So uh, tell me what this uh, bill would would do. Um, This bill would require parents who do not immunize their children um, because of the personal or philosophical reasons. So as current lies, they're allowed to get an exemption. Uh, And also those who get medical exemptions who cannot vaccinate their children because the children have an compromised immune systems from having cancer, bone marrow transplants, or other things. Uh, And religious, there are very few people that get those. But those two personal and medical exemptions, are um, the numbers are increasing. And so what many parents have counted on to protect their child if they don't immunize them uh, is called herd immunity. And that is decreasing. And in some areas in the state, there's only minimal protection for children who are um, unvaccinated from measles, mumps, diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, all the vaccine-preventable diseases. So what this bill does, I had to give you that background so you know why we're doing it, right. uh, requires a, a parent who gets an exemption, they go to the health department first, which they already do, but before they do that, they'd have to watch an online education module, no more than 20 minutes, that will be created by the Department of Health to tell them what they're going to have to do to protect their child, their unvaccinated child, in the event of an outbreak. It will have a little bit of a history on vaccine-preventable diseases and and the numbers currently, which most people are not aware of. We've been trying to publicize it, of the unimmunized children that are putting a lot of them and others at threat. So they'll watch this education module, then they take the... Uh, they print out a, a form, a citation that says they've taken it. They go to the health department. They give them the exemption, and they take this to the school. Now, they'd have to do this three times. Um, when they enter kindergarten, when a student enters seventh grade, that's when the boosters are required, and then again at tenth grade. And one other thing, they'd have a 21-day grace period um, to get their kids' records or complete their immunization. So maybe some people change their mind and realize their fears are groundless and get their shots. Currently, if your child's not either 
uh, fully immunized or has the exemptions, uh, they cannot enter school. Actually, they can't enter. They can't even go to a preschool, public mm. or private. Right. So that is the law currently that all kids have to be immunized before they start school. But we have those ex- exemptions, so we're trying to make sure parents really are aware of, of the risks involved in that they would have to remove their kids from school for three to six weeks, depending on the disease and its severity, and um, other things involving complete quarantine. We have 51,000 infants under the age of 12 months in Utah that can't be immunized, so those kids are at risk, too. Is the is the hope, is the purpose behind this to increase immunization rate, or, or is it just uh, information? Uh, what, what's like the hope? We certainly like that to happen, but we're not... I mean, the focus of the bill from the outset, and I've worked for six months with um, school nurses, uh, pediatricians, local health departments, and others because of the concern for the the reduced number of immunized kids. We'd hope more kids would get immunized, but at the very least, we've got to protect those unimmunized because we care about those kids. We care about the kids who are immunized. You know, we want it them all to be safe and, and healthy. Uh, is, uh, I wonder if an impetus for this is, is you know, recent outbreaks. We had the, you know, Disneyland outbreak. Uh... Yeah, absolutely, the Disneyland. And, you know, there are all the time outbreaks. Right now there are uh, whooping cough outbreaks in Wasatch County uh, and also in um, the, the, Dr. Joseph Miner, the director of the Utah Department of Health, said we have outbreaks in two or three counties right now. Summit. Wasatch, I think in Utah County, we always have, um, Summit County has about six times the rate of whooping cough as Salt Lake County because they have lower vaccine rates. Now, some some have uh, opposed your bill saying that this infringes, even though there's still option for uh, exemption. That's preserved under your bill, but it, it, it kind of encroaches further into parental rights that they, this is a, a, a further step that parents have to take. They have to mm-hmm. watch the video. Yes, I've heard that opposition, and um, while I respect their right to make decisions for their children, it's a public safety issue. I mean, you know, most of these parents are too young to have seen um, chicken pox, measles, whooping cough, polio, you know, serious vaccine-preventable diseases, because we haven't had outbreaks, but as this rate slowly decreases, we're going to see it. And in 2011, there was a measles outbreak in Granite District it involved three children coming back from Poland to pick up a daughter on a mission who got measles, and it cost the health department in Granite District $200,000. Many kids who couldn't be immunized, including an AP English student of my daughter's, had to miss almost two weeks of school before the AP exam, and I mean, no fault of his own. So it affects other people. This is something that isn't just directly related to the family's personal decisions. They're affecting other children. Uh, so you said this earlier. I just wanted to uh, to emphasize this. You uh, you say we are, in some areas, losing herd immunity? Oh, absolutely. Carbon County, there are only 77% kids immunized. Now, in Salt Lake County, in some areas, it's 95% and above. But not, that's the ideal. But we're just below that. You know, we're just on the threshold here in Salt Lake County, the large, and in some parts of Salt Lake County and in Utah County, we're as low as 90%. We have 87,000 kids in Utah who are not immunized 
either for personal exemption, medical, uh, can't be because they're under 12 months or they're toddlers who haven't finished immunization. So all those kids are at risk, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of the reason. We do not have herd immunity. It, 90% is just minimally protective, and that's some real concern for health departments, uh, school nurses, teachers, parents who immunize, and um, it should be to all of us because we don't want any kids to uh, get sick or die. These, these diseases are deadly. Children can die from them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that might be, as you said, that might be a part of the problem here. A, a younger generation hasn't encountered these Mm-hmm. The, the full effects of some of these diseases. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder about um, one of the arguments being put forward is if you have a, a large family and or you're in a rural area, it uh, c- could be quite inconvenient to have to go to the health department to view these videos oh, multiple times. Yeah. Well, you do the video online. Oh, yeah. on, online. Okay. Right. All right. Right. You, you have to go one time. A parent has to go one time to the health department, the first time for a face visit. They watch the video before, take the um, certificate of completion, and then go uh, talk to the health department and get the exemption. Now, now I've heard that about it. They might have to drive a distance or some kind of burden. Um, I'm sure they go get groceries. They go to Walmart or somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere they have to leave their home for other things. But, you know, you weigh that against the, um, if you want to call it a burden, but all those, the parents who immunize, so 11 times over the period of kindergarten through 12th grade to get immunizations. I mean, they do what might be inconvenient to them to protect their children, and it's far more than the others, the opposite. Hmm. Uh, so now, what will be in the video? Well, there'll be a working group, and they'll probably have a couple of the... Um, uh, professors of nursing who've worked with me on this bill and um, who uh, teach at BYU School of Nursing, they do education modules all the time. Uh, also, there'll be a group that gets together and probably someone from that community who doesn't vaccinate. And its purpose is not to indoctrinate or someone will say, you know, statistics. But I mean, I think it's, it's very important that we say why we're taking these measures because what they depended on the herd immunity is is de- decreasing, and but the the focus of the video will be prevention. What will you have to do to protect your child in the event of an outbreak? Now we've had these before in various areas, and many parents say they didn't know they had to take their kids out of school, despite the fact it says it on the form at the health department that they signed. What are you going to do if you um, work? You know, and your child has to be out of school. And keeping them out of school is not enough. That means isolation, quarantine means not taking them to church, not taking your infant out, you know, or, or your unvaccinated older child, not going to the shopping mall, to friends' birthday parties. I mean, those are things people are not always aware of, and mm-hmm. that will be the focus of it. Yeah. And as times change, I mean, this... this um, unvaccinated population has grown in just the last few years so things have changed from five years ago so as the video you know as we go forward we'll have to change that to match the what's happening the actual statistics Mm -hmm. now there is a group i'm sure you're aware the group of people who directly oppose vaccinations 
um, and they see vaccinations as the problem. And so I'm, I'm guessing that the you know some of these people are going to see your bill as as just uh, setting up a, a pro pro vaccination propaganda. What do you say to those people? Well, I've already I've already talked to many of them. They've been here at the Capitol. We had three hearings because the bill was held a couple times because they wanted me to get together with others, and and we did some compromising. But you know, you can't totally compromise because they're unyielding and unbending the side that believe that vaccines cause autism, which is completely false, or other things. Now, it's true there have been some bad reactions, but if if you look at the CDC statistics and state statistics, they're minimal. I mean, it's like one in a million. I mean, the risk to unvaccinated is so greater than it is to those who vaccinate. So, I mean, I tell them, and they don't, they they just disagree. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's no common ground there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would be fine if they didn't have their kids among the general population. Now, some of them who were up here protesting homeschool their children, but I don't know what their concern is. Mm-hmm. They're not even in the public schools. I I think it's, it, it. I don't think I know. It's a principle. It's a basic principle of their beliefs, and I respect it. Parental rights. I really do. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. Uh, but this, this is something that, if you live in a society in a community around others, you know you have to take some measures that your actions don't affect other people's actions. That's what makes a good community, and a good healthy, safe society. Uh, finally, uh, the, your bill, House Bill 221, has been approved by the uh, House Health and Human Service Committee next uh, to the full House. What do you think prospects are? I think they're very good because it's, I've talked to colleagues um, and they've heard about this. They come and tell me, we vaccinate our children and we're just really unhappy when our grandchildren, our children are um you know, around kids that aren't immunized, and, and, and there's no way of knowing, but families often know, and they find out, and um, they feel like their children are at risk, too. So I think that, you know, we've taken very um, reasonable steps. I mean, it, it compromise in the sense that their kids can enter school with less delay from missing records or missing shots. It gives in that 21-day grace period. It provides life-saving information to parents of immunized children. And it provides a pathway for parents of unimmunized to get an exemption that's much less burdensome than the burden shouldered by the 95% of parents who get immunized. So it it doesn't seem to me that it should be controversial. Now, you know California did away with personal exemptions. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That was a big step, but we're seeing that more. In fact, right here in Salt Lake County, the Salt Lake, Catholic Diocese has um, said that they will not accept personal exemptions for any of the parochial schools from, you know, kindergarten through high school. And that's quite a few students go to the uh, Catholic school. So they can do that because they're private. But if people really don't want to ever see that personal exemption go away, I think they, they should consider that these are just common sense measures to give them the information <clears throat> that they need to protect their children. Well, we have been talking with uh, Representative Carol spackman Moss. She is sponsor of House Bill 221. Uh, Representative Moss, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Appreciate Bye. that. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about immunizations, vaccinations, 
this is appearing now at the uh, Utah legislature this session uh, in the form of House Bill 221. And as you heard uh, Representative Moss uh, talk about this, uh, she emphasizes it would preserve parental rights to exempt their children from immunizations, but would require those parents to watch an educational video to receive that exemption. Um, and uh, we're going to continue this discussion. Uh, coming up following a break, we'll be uh, bringing on Gail Rizika with Utah Eagle Forum. She's opposing House Bill 221. And later in the program, we'll talk with two nurse practitioners in the Utah County area, Lacey Eden and Beth Luthie. We hope to hear from you as well. You can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. would love to get your opinion on House Bill 221, on vaccinations in general, and perhaps your experience uh, as, as a parent. More to come following the break. Hi, this is Erica from Montana. I listen to Bullseye because no other program brings such delightful enthusiasm to exploring the creative process. It's a revelation every week. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'll talk to Jason Sudeikis and Paul F. Tompkins. Plus, Sarah Vowell talks about the things she wishes she'd made on the next Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Become a member and join us Saturday afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utime. Tom Williams. We just heard from Representative Carol Spackman Moss, Democrat from Holiday. She's sponsoring House Bill 221. She emphasizes her bill would preserve parents' rights to exempt their children from immunizations, but it would require those parents to watch an educational video to receive an exemption. Uh, she says the video is meant to teach parents what to do in case of an outbreak and standardize education across health departments. She says officials in some areas of Utah are reporting that uh, in those areas they're close to losing herd immunity. That's the phenomenon in which everyone is protected indirectly from infectious disease because a great majority of the population uh, is immune to infection. Later on in the program, we're going to be talking with a couple of nurse practitioners in the Utah County area, Lacey Eden and Beth Luthie. Right now, we're uh, pleased to bring on Gail Ruzica from the Utah Eagle Forum. Uh, Mrs. Ruzica, welcome to the program. Happy to be there. Uh, you're, are you still president of the forum? What's your position these I days? Sure, oh. Yes, I sure am. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, now, you oppose House Bill 221. Uh, why? Why is that? Well, you know, there are things about House Bill 221 that we don't have any problem with, but there are things that need to be fixed. We have offered, met with, with the sponsor and others, and we've offered to work together with them and support the parts that they felt were the most important, and then we suggested the things that we need to have, think that should be changed, things that are an undue burden on parents, on working parents. You know, the, the current law has always required that we uh, that don't those that don't uh, uh, vaccinate their children go to the health department and pick up a form that they fill out and take to the school. Well, this bill, this law was passed many, many years ago before the days of, of being able to go online. You know, now you can go online and get a form for everything uh, and fill it out. And, and uh, I mean, driver's license, I mean, you, you name it, you can license your car online. But, you know, you couldn't back then. So as she came forward with this idea of this online 20-minute video, and when the parents finish watching that video, they have to fill out, you know, print off a form that that proves that they watched the video. But then they're still requiring after that that the parent get in the car, drive to the health department, and pick up this piece of paper that they have to fill out and take to the school. And that's, that's their exemption in the school. 
we have asked that they remove that requirement of driving to the health department. And in most uh, counties, they have to pay $25 just to get the piece of paper. And so they get there, they pay their $25, they get the piece of paper, and they leave. Well, in the rural areas, that's especially a problem because some have to drive an hour to an hour and a half. From where I live to get to the health department, it's about 35 minutes. So that's a round trip, uh, an hour and 10 minutes, plus the time it takes to go in, maybe get a babysitter while you for your other children or take all your other children with you and take them in while you get that form. Uh, that That is definitely an undue burden and absolutely ridiculous that in today's world that we still have to do that. It's just a form that we walk in there and they give us, we pay our $25 and leave. So we're saying, okay, we'll watch the video. That's what the main thing about this uh, this bill is all about, is getting this education online and requiring parents to exempt their children for whatever reason to watch that video. So we said okay to that. We'll watch the video. We'll fill out the form that we print off afterward. We'll get the form afterwards. We want them to also put online that form from the health department. It's ridiculous to have to pay $25 to exempt your child by just because you have to pay for the form. That's all you get for your $25 is that piece of paper. And and so we just say we want we want to watch the video, then print off the form and take it to the to the school. I think that's very reasonable. I don't think that they should be charging parents $25 to uh, get that form, because that's what they're charging for, mm-hmm. is just that piece of paper. Right. And when I ask about it, they say, well, we, it, it, it costs us that much because we have to have a clerk there to get the, give you the paper. You've got to fill it out. It's just like getting a driver's license or anything else. It costs money to, to have government uh, facilitate you when you go in there and get your your form but we're not getting a license we're not swearing to anything there we're just getting a piece of paper and it doesn't cost anything to print a piece of paper off you know off the computer mm-hmm. any forms that you go to the you know and print off you don't have to pay $25 so it would take away the $25 and it would take away having to drive to the uh, health department now they if they'll put that in there there won't be any opposition to her bill and it'll move right through. But, but uh, she had originally suggested that she might do that, and others had, I've talked to about it uh, seemed to be in agreement, and that's what we thought was going to happen. And then she says, oh, the health department didn't want to do that. They want you to have to come in there. Well, that's oh. just wrong. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, again, it's an undue burden. Yeah. You have we're working parents, some that have to drive an hour, an hour and a half, just to get there because they're, they're open during the day, you know. To drive, get take off work, drive there, single mothers, whoever. None of us should have to do that. Not in today's world, and it's unreasonable, absolutely unreasonable, to continue to ask parents to drive that, that far to pick up a piece of paper and pay twenty five dollars. So that's all we're asking for. Mm. Take away the undue burden. We'll watch the video, and uh, take our paper to the school, and it'll work for everybody. And, and it also has to be done uh, three times during uh, if they. If, during the time the children are in school, if they go all the way through high school, uh, we'll agree to that too. Right now, it's just one time, but we'll agree to all of those things if they just take away the undue burden of having to drive to the health department to get a piece of paper. What, what do you think prospects are of that uh, making that change to the to the bill? Well, I've talked to many legislators, and they agree. I mean, they're just all they're all shocked that that, that they just didn't agree to do that because. Uh, 
they agree. I mean, they, they talk to, I mean, many of them tell me as I talk to them about the different things that have to do with their business or their family life or whatever, where they were able to go online and uh, print off a piece of paper. I mean, we all have stories of that. How often do we do that for, for jobs and everything else? So, uh, you know, we've got great response from, from legislators, and they would like to see that uh, work with the sponsor and the health departments and all come together and so it, it, that we don't have to just, you know, they have to go on the floor and they have to amend the bill and they have to have the argument. Sometimes up here, oftentimes up here, uh, we work together. And this is one time where we can certainly work together because I haven't talked to a legislator who doesn't think it's an undue burden to have to drive all the way to the health department. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard uh, the argument, uh, you know, from some parents or read it that, um, uh, they're uh, parents who want the exemption for whatever reason, and, and there there are several you know reasons for not getting your kids uh, vaccinated. Um, that the see this, see the video as uh, perhaps tipping the scale, you know, uh, uh, trying to push uh, parents into uh, into vaccinating. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, it's a 20-minute video, and I haven't seen the video. I don't know exactly. They're not clear yet on what they're going to have on that video. They're saying it has more to do with what how to what you need to do as a parent if there is an outbreak of some kind. Uh, but frankly, it doesn't matter if a if a parent has made the decision to not vaccinate their child. You know, almost. Most all the time, it has to do with their their personal belief about vaccinations. And if they've made that decision and they're going to watch that vi- video for 20 minutes, they're going to they're going to continue with their decision. And if for some reason after they watch that video they decide, oh no, I want to vaccinate my child, that's their choice. That is absolutely their choice. Uh, but a 20 minute video. Uh, to be able to have the privilege <laughs> that they're trying to say it's a privilege for us not to vaccinate our child. You know, I, I, I chose not to vaccinate my children. I would sit and watch a 20-minute video to get that exemption if I wanted to use the public school. If this, is, this is only for people who want to use, well, any school, public school, private school, even parochial school they have in there. You have to watch the video. If you homeschool, of course, it doesn't matter because your children aren't going to be in an environment where, where they can, can get a, the disease to begin with. So um, I, I think when, when – and, and all the groups that I've talked to and all the family groups, when, when the choice is between whether or not to uh, drive all the way to the health department versus sit at home and watch 20-minute video, all of them that I've talked to and, and, and organizations actually voted and agreed on this, they would rather watch the video from, from their home and print off the, the form and take it over to the school than to drive for, in some cases, an hour or more just mm-hmm. to get there and then that much time all the way back. So it, it, it's, it's a personal choice kind of thing, but if, if the bill was, if we were to just work to defeat the bill and if the bill were defeated, then it would fall back to what we currently have. And what we currently have right now is driving to the, uh, the health department to pick it up. What is, what's not acceptable to anybody I've talked to that, that vaccinates. And by the way, the, the legislators that are very supportive of our position has been really interesting. Two of them are doctors and one works for the health department. And they're the ones that's working with us to try to get this bill changed. So that's also really interesting that they understand the rights of parents for the freedom to choose. Because when they take that right away from us as parents, then, um, 
then then they become responsible if for, for rea- as parents have rea- children have reactions when the government forces us to to medicate our child in a way we don't want to. So you know if, if they refuse to change it and we can't get it changed, and if the legislature doesn't want to change it, then of course the next thing is to work to defeat the bill. But I, I, that's not what I want to do on this. That's not where we're coming from. We'd really like to work together. We'd like to, because mm-hmm. this affects all of us, and, and uh, it's about us. It's about our life. It's about our children. And we'd like to work together with the sponsor and with, uh, with the health departments and others, and, and I'll give a little bit. You know, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll watch the video. They take the health department out of it and, uh, char- and the $25 charge. And we'll watch the video, print off our form, and uh, support their position there. I think that's a great compromise, and hasn't hurt anybody. It doesn't. It, they, there's no benefit, no benefit to the state of Utah, to those health departments, or anybody else to force people to drive. You know, you know, for a long time, it's to pick up a piece of paper. That is that that's gone beyond what is reasonable, and uh, and truly an undue burden. I wonder, uh, uh, I'm interested to get your uh, take on, on this, to pulling back, pulling a, a bit up from the specific bill, and and looking at what some might frame as uh, parental rights versus, um, you know, societal rights. I, I hear some parents talk to a friend just the other day who, who um, w- had this complaint that uh, she felt that, um, you know, she, she wasn't able to raise her children. It was more and more it was society, you know, community law raising her children. Um, and then you put that versus this, this herd immunity. If, if enough parents exempt uh, their children from vaccinations, then you lose that overall protection. So I wonder where that sliding scale should be. I wonder if you have ideas on that. Well, you know, I talked to a doctor the other day about the herd immunity part, and he, he pointed out that on the measles, Measles is 95 percent. It has, you know, for herd immunity, you need 95 percent of people vaccinated. And he said, you know, that's never going to happen. So if they think that they're going to force uh, people to, you know, to, to vaccinate their children and that you're going to get up to that 95 percent level, it's not going to happen. We all know that. I mean, there there are reasons, medical reasons. There'll be more medical reasons that'll take away that 95 percent on anything else. Uh, they'd have to take away medical reasons. They'd have to take away religious reasons. They'd have to take away everything to get to 95%. Nobody would have any rights. It would, it would all be about the herd immunity. So uh, that's not going to happen. We, we don't live in a world where we can eliminate from this world all, all disease, all flu, all everything. It just doesn't happen. And so uh, if that's what they're headed for, then we're all going to lose our rights, and it won't make any difference, you know, because, uh, you know, right now we're talking about vaccinating children, but in order to get to that 95%, uh, because children go home, they're at homes, they go to church, they go every place, you'd have to force adults and everybody to be vaccinated to get to 95%. Um, so that's not reasonable. Right. <laughs> you know, we, right. we, have, we do have the right uh, medically to take care of our own bodies, and decide what kind of medicine we want to put in our own bodies. I make those choices every day of my life, and I'm sure you do too. And I study and I read things, and, and when all my neighbors are running to get flu shots, I, I, I wouldn't run to get a flu shot without reading about it first. And after I get through reading about it, I don't go get the flu shot. But that was my choice. But if I'm going to say we got to get rid of all because, yeah, people die every year. In fact, more people die of flu every year than ever die of measles. 
So we're forcing, you know, the children can't go to school without being vaccinated for measles. Is it next time to be vaccinated for flu? Mm-hmm. Where, where is this all going to end? Right. I, I think the uh, you know the people on the vaccination side would say, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's let's keep <laughs> let's keep the one and then uh, try to work on the other. Well, again, it comes back to the fact they can't they they can't get to ninety five percent. So if they're going to use the herd immunity idea, it's just not going to happen. So we, let's let's put it back on the parents. Let's have parental right. The, the law states that if there's a, 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 a you know say a breakout of, of measles, all the children who are not vaccinated cannot go to school during the time there's there's this uh, breakout of measles. And by the way, when uh, when there's when they they rarely have measles, but when they have it, there have been multiple times that these that came from vaccinated children, and we had people testify about uh, who have uh, autoimmune problems, and they can't be around vaccinated people because you know, because of the there there is a a fallback there that can affect them. So you know, just, we don't live in a perfect world. So this person can't be around this person. This person can't be around that. Okay. But meanwhile, let us take care of our own body and the health of our own body. And when the school told me that, well, if you if there's an outbreak, you can't your children can't come to school because they're not vaccinated. I said you don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell me my children can't come to school because I promise you. I promise you, if there is an outbreak of any kind of a problem like that, my children won't be there. I'm not going to send my children someplace where there's disease. Uh, so we're just going to come to the end of this segment. So to, uh, I guess, to recap, Utah Eagle Farm would be would be fine with House Bill 221 uh, if those uh, parental inconvenience barriers were removed. That's right. If, if, they, if we can get yeah. our form, our exemption form, online for free, will support the bill. All right. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Gail Ruzica, president of Utah Eagle Forum. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh-huh, and thank you. Bye now. Bye now. We're talking about House Bill 221. It's being sponsored by Representative Carol Spackman-Moss, Democrat from Holiday. Uh, she said, emphasized it would preserve parental rights to exempt their children from immunizations, but would require those parents to watch an educational video to receive that exemption. Uh, we talked with Representative Moss earlier in the program. We just uh, talked with uh, Gail Ruzica, president of the Utah Eagle Forum. They're opposing House Bill 221. Uh, in the next segment, after a break, we're going to be talking with two nurse practitioners in the Utah County area. They are working uh, to uh, organize support for House Bill 221. We'll find out why following this break. This is Brian Erickson and Bringing More to Life. Talk to your parents about their driving abilities. Anxiety producing? Absolutely. Ask yourself five questions. Can they find their way home on a familiar road? Have they driven without fender benders, tickets, or scrapes on their car? When you ride with them, do they react appropriately? Are there medical issues that impact strength or cognition? Would you allow young children to ride with them? Be prepared with driving alternatives. Start the conversation now to bring more to their lives. Support for Bringing More to Life on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation in Logan. Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking about immunizations, vaccinations. It's a hot topic. 
An increasing number of parents are opting out. Uh, and Representative Carol Spackman Moss, Democrat from Holiday, is sponsoring House Bill 221, uh, which is at the legislature right now. It would preserve parents' rights to exempt their children from immunizations, but would require those parents to watch an educational video to receive the exemption. And uh, Representative Moss, as I talked to her earlier, I talked about herd immunity. She says uh, officials in some areas of Utah are uh, telling us that we're uh, dangerously close to losing herd immunity. That's the phenomenon in which everyone is protected indirectly from an infectious disease because a great majority of the population is immune to infection. Uh, we just talked with Gail Ruzica, president of the Utah Eagle Forum. Uh, that organization is opposing House Bill 221 on the parental convenience grounds. Uh, she says the, that organization would, have, would uh, support House Bill 221 if parents were able to fill out the form and print it out at home and do everything online and at home. They just take that into the schools. Um, we are now bringing in uh, two nurse practitioners in the Utah County area, Beth Luthie and Lacey Eden. Lacey Eden, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Beth Luthie, thanks. Thank you, Tom. Um, are you, uh, your nurse practitioners, both also parents? Yes. So it, we'll get uh, both perspectives here and you are, you're supporting House Bill 221. That's correct. Uh, tell me, uh, first I'll start with, uh, Lacey Eden on this. Uh, why are you, why are you supporting 221? Um, I'm supporting 221 because as a nurse practitioner working in a pediatric office, I oftentimes see parents exempting their children from immunizations because it is, in fact, right now, more convenient for them and easier to get an exemption than to actually immunize their kids. So these are parents who don't necessarily um, think that vaccines are wrong. They just think it's easier to get the exemption and get their kids in school. Um, And the problem with that is, we are seeing a rising um, rate of exemptions in the state of Utah, and these parents need to know exactly what the implications are of a choice such as this. Um, what this education module will do is help parents to understand um, what will happen if there is a disease outbreak and their child is not immunized, how to protect their unimmunized child, and how to decrease that risk of spreading the infection. Um, Right now, this bill is requiring this completion of the education module on entry, school entry, 7th grade and 10th grade. There is no change um, as far as requiring parents to go to their local health department. That is already in the statute. And so we are not trying to add anything that is um, is already in place as far as that goes. That's already a requirement in Utah, that they need to go to the health department to get their exemption form the first time. And then the renewing the exemption module or redoing that module in 7th and 10th grade um, can be done all online. They don't have to go back to the health department for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth Luthi, I wonder what you think about uh, Mrs. Ruzika's idea, the Utah Eagle Forum. They say they would, they would support House Bill 221 if you'd allow parents to not have to go to the health department. Do it, do it all yeah, online, do it at um, home. Yeah, I would like to speak to that. So thank you for asking me that question. Um, I, I understand that Ms. Ruzika's concern is especially for those who are in a rural area or an area where going that first time to the health department would be a little inconvenient. She also mentioned that most of the counties charge a $25 fee. I, I think 
Um, maybe we could clarify just a couple of things. One is, you're right, it would be great to be in a world nowadays where everything was online, and I think that's a great point. The problem is, is that all of the local health departments and then the school districts are on different information databases, and these databases do not talk with one another. So if you do everything online and you submit it to the school, the health department has no idea that that an exemption has been filed, which doesn't seem quite right since we expect the public health departments to protect the health of the public. And they're the ones that actually respond when there is an outbreak of disease. So it's really important for them to be in the loop. And if there was a way of going just to the health department, filing the exemption paperwork, and then having that uploaded to a school, I think that would be a fantastic idea. We're just not there technologically as of yet. And I I spoke with Utah County Health Department the other day, and they use a program called eClinical Works. I talked with the Wasatch Health Department. They use Excel in their database, and then the school districts are all using a different program too. So I think it's something that might be able to come in the future once the technology is in a place where these systems can talk to each other. At this point, a lot of these systems are proprietary, though, and and I don't think there's much advantage in being able to communicate with others. Uh, I'll turn to Lacey Eden. I'd like to hear from both of you on this one. First with Lacey Eden. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how much of the conversation you were able to hear with uh, Gail Ruzica. I brought up uh, herd immunity and the, and the fact that more parents uh, seem to be exempting their children from vaccinations. And uh, Gail Ruzica said she's she's not particularly worried about that. She says that that there there would be other reasons why we would lose herd immunity other other than if I'm characterizing this correctly uh, numbers of parents reaching a critical level and, and and opting out um yeah i would love to address that as well um definitely with the rise in exemption rates um in the childhood population when you look at diseases like measles and tdap um all, if you were to ask any of the healthcare organizations, they would all agree that there is a certain level of percentage of people who need to be immunized in order to protect those children who are unable to be immunized. And that number varies, but it's usually it, it's around about 94%, 94 to 95%, especially for measles and Tdap. Um, but then again, if you look at you know the parents who are not um, getting their boosters for Tdap, they are also a risk, but those parents are not the ones who are attending school. It is the children, and the children are the ones who are all in the same closed environment of the school. They're sharing the same pencils. They're eating at the same tables. They're using the same um, play equipment, sitting at the same desk. So it's the children who will be much more likely to share germs with each other. Um, And so you can see that in an environment such as that in a disease outbreak, it would be rampant, especially with measles that is highly contagious. Um, the, the, the concern is most definitely in the exemption, is the exemption of the children. 
Uh, I'd like to get to answer the same question from uh, Beth Luthi. What, what do you think about uh, herd immunity? Are, are you becoming worried that that, uh, that we might lose herd immunity, uh, given more parents seem to be exempting their kids? Uh, absolutely. In fact, I, I guess I should mention that the reason I became a nurse practitioner is because my oldest boy was born with many medical problems. He ended up having a liver transplant, and then because of that transplant, he needed to be on um, uh, immune system uh, suppression medication so that his body and his own immune system did not turn against the new liver and attack the liver. So while we were in that period of time um, after a transplant and under a lot of immune system suppression medications, I lived in an area that did not have herd immunity against certain diseases, and he, he caught several vaccine-preventable diseases. So he, he caught RSV, he caught rotavirus, um, he caught chickenpox, and he caught whooping cough. And each of those diseases are, are you know, horrible enough. But when you have a child who is immune suppressed and has no immune system really, if they're infected with chickenpox or with whooping cough, it, it's deadly. And actually with each of those diseases, my son almost died. Um, in fact, uh, after whooping cough, he was in the ICU, he was intubated, he actually was comatose for a couple of months. So I, I feel like I need to tell you that little bit of background because with herd immunity, I, I do have experience as a nurse practitioner, but I also have experience as a mother um, and can see what can happen to especially vulnerable children when the herd immunity is not high enough. And, you know, I, I was listening, Ms. Rizika was saying that it's impossible to get a 95% vaccination rate. And I would say, no, that, that's not true. In fact, we have been at a 95% vaccination rate in Utah within the last decade. It's just that we have this trend going on where the immunization rate drops just a little bit every single year. More and more parents are exempting their children from vaccinations. And, you know, other states such as Mississippi, I, I mean, they have almost 100% vaccination rate. So it is possible um, to, to get right back into that healthy pocket where we have 95% of the population that is immunized which can then provide herd immunity to children like my son, who uh, was unable to get vaccinated for a while. We just have a couple of minutes left. I want to get an email in. This is from Glenn Wall. Uh, he says, I'm torn between the idea of compulsory vaccination and freedom of choice. Part of the real issue is the fact that if a child is not vaccinated and then contracts polio, the expense could be excruciating. In most cases, the parents would have no choice but to use the government to pick up the bill. I understand the argument from the Eagle Forum that more people die from the flu than the measles, but at one time, smallpox killed millions of Aboriginal Americans right after 1492, and now through technology and education, we have a vaccine. 
Glenn goes on to say, I believe that people should have a choice, but there should be more education on the subject than is currently available and or proposed. The video discussed should be more like those old driver's ed videos, like Blood on the Highway. Uh, show some of the effects of polio, mumps, uh, sterility, meals, uh, measles, rubella, tetanus, HPV, hepatitis, and the like, as well as discuss freedom of choice. Furthermore, if we can enforce car seats for protection of children, I'm in favor, and helmets, which have proven to be positive in prevention of debilitating injury, we should, as a society, be able to rationalize at least compulsory education, which promotes vaccination. That's from uh, Glenn Wall. So we just have uh, maybe about uh, 30 seconds for... For each of our guests, let me start again with Lacey Eden here. Uh, final thoughts on, on this. Um, I would just say that this bill is a, a good start on helping educate those parents who have chosen to exempt their children on how to best protect them in the community. I agree with the um, person who emailed in. Um, there, We should have freedom of choice, but you do need to have correct education in order to make an informed decision. And Beth Luthi will give you about 30 seconds for the final word on this. Um, I guess I would feel that the most prominent um, worry and fear of, of people is that, um, that the education is going to make them feel bad or try to guilt them into vaccinating. And it really, that is not the purpose of the education module. It really is. This is an information bill. It's just an information bill. It's not about forcing parents to do anything. We will leave it there. Um, we'll be talking about House Bill 221. We'll, of course, keep an eye on that. Uh, Representative Carol Spackman-Moss, the sponsor, has been our guest. We've also been talking with Gail Ruzica, president of the Utah Eagle Forum. And uh, we've just been talking here with Lacey Eden and Beth Luthi, nurse practitioners in the Utah County area. Uh, thank you to you both. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And uh, keep the comments coming to upraxis at gmail.com, and you can join us uh, at, our, at our website as well, upr.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah any